the program today is about goals and I am going to give you some tips on really just thoughts on goal setting, our take on goal setting, you know, this time of year, <clears throat> excuse me, so many of us look at what, what is that about? And it generally makes you feel a little uncomfortable and um, fearful of something rigid that, that really isn't you. So we're going to look at that. Uh, but then we have a very, very special guest, Melissa Nicely, who knows something a thing or two about goal setting. And she's been a part of the team that's tackled something really remarkable. Uh, and we want you to hear from her because she's got just one of those stories that we all need to hear just about now. So let's look, well, before we do that, I just wanna say that if you're like me, uh, your goals, your plans for uh, 2020 really got, uh, hit a blockade and uh, were, were changed dramatically or, or canceled, derailed. Uh, maybe they faded away, but they, they looked a lot different after, say, March or April than they did in January of 2020. So it's easy to uh, give pushback to this idea of goal setting for 2020. And I think uh, that might be because it feels as though uh, there are goals that the world wants for us instead of what we want for us. And they sound like somebody else's goals. And so the, the first thing we wanna talk about is why it, it is so important. And you know what? In 2021, it's more important than ever that we set goals, our goals, our goals our authentic goals because one, purpose. You know, it gives us a sense of purpose and it is about good old mental health. The second thing is that it just stretches what you think is possible in the world. And you know, if you ever had someone who coach, parent, mentor, believed that you could do more than you thought you could do, well, that's why goals stretch who we are, are important. You, you cannot lower uh, your sight line. And, you know, finally, we're just at our best when we do hard things and we can do hard things. We absolutely can do hard things. So let's look at a quote that we think really sums up for us uh, what this goal setting is all about. And Michelangelo said this, I don't know that we could say it any better than this, and that is that the greatest danger uh, for most of us is not about setting high goals and falling short. It's about setting our aim too low and achieving our mark. And, you know, sort of threaded into this, I think, is uh, this idea that we're, you know, imposters and, and don't really um, uh, earn or uh, deserve some of the credit we get already. So, so we need motivation and, and goals have a way of, of doing that. I think to begin with, uh, this notion is, is really helpful. And that is, what did you learn in 2020? It, um, it reminds us that your authentic self is always growing. You know, there's this exquisite core of who you are that is always growing in insight and the way you look at life's puzzle. It's really um, a miraculous thing. And 
what happened in 2020 will be with you always. And there were places that it carved out more space to contain joy in your soul. You may have done some things at home you wouldn't normally have done. Uh, you know, for me, I, I refinished an old dresser. I mean, this is um, just a small indication of, of maybe what you can relate to, but I, I've had this dresser for practically my whole life. It's a very sentimental uh, treasure and it has gotten banged up. I mean, I've dragged it around with me everywhere in my life and it needed to be redone desperately. And every time almost that I would look at it, I would think, you know, I, I really, one day I'm going to, I'm going to refinish that dresser. Well, guess what? Uh, my sister-in-law helped me do just that. And I have this joyful feeling when I look at it. Um, now that's not, you know, at the level that all of your accomplishments in 2020 uh, will come in at, but you learned, I will bet, about your connections and, and how important they are to you, whether or not you work well remotely or uh, what, you're, what you're passionate about, maybe holding a moment of silence, whatever it is, in your own words, write down what you learned in 2020. Patrick, let's look at the, the next list and don't be overwhelmed by this you know there are at least seven areas of your life to create authentic goals in and I don't believe you should have a goal for everyone because it would be uh, overwhelming maybe and and that might cause us uh, a reason not to get at everything that we set goals for but uh, here are the ones you might consider you know, the first one certainly was uh, impacted for me in 2020 is just my, my treasuring of relationships and connection and the way I feel about my community. I have always felt strongly about that, but I know for the Interact team, this has just exploded for us. And it has been our lifeline. It has been, as we have uh, taken Interact virtual, we have, um, this is where we've thrived. And so, you know, your career, your calling, your service work, I think that uh, it's important to remember that you do not have to leave your job to get a new job. You can position yourself to do the work uh, that is more satisfying and more authentic within the organization where you are if you give thought to the, the projects that might uh, bring you more satisfaction, more, more joy. Income and finances, uh, you know, you have to make sure that these are not somebody else's <laughs> goals. But uh, years ago, I, I sketched a picture of my credit cards uh, standing in a firing line. And, and, you know, I made it about the way I would go, go uh, creatively toward paying off debt. Health and fitness, I mean, that, that's where people set sights too high sometime, but, you know, maybe it's just eating more vegetables or maybe it's, you know, walking around the block. Personal development, I pick up a, a book off your nightstand and, and read it and finish it one a month. You know, these are, these are the kinds of things. Recreation and fun, I am 
becoming a decorator. Yeah, you know, not really, but I am now in my bathroom and my sister-in-law is again guiding me through uh, some re-wallpapering and, and some cool things there. And it, and it regenerates in me an inspiration resource. You know, and then finally, whatever it is, whatever your concept of a spiritual moment, uh, there's a fellow at Harvard who talks about five minutes a day, especially if you are uh, a creative, and, and we are all creatives, but five minutes in the morning can change your life if you hold the silence and think about the way you want your day to go and what, what, um, isn't, what gives you life. And so there you have it. Those are the seven areas. Uh, the ones that resonate with you, the ones that have heat are what you should pay attention to. Uh, not necessarily all of them like a checklist because that's exhausting. Now you probably know about SMART goals. Everybody their whole life has been reminded to look at SMART goals, which you know, you know with me, you could chant them out probably, but SMART goals are specific, they are measurable, they are attainable, they are relevant to you, and they are time specific. And those are, I mean, that's just great advice. That's why, uh, you know, that old uh, wisdom has been around forever. But I, I have some to add. And, you know, that is getting back to something that we said earlier, is your goal truly yours or someone else's? I used to write goals down that sounded like somebody else wrote them. So today I make it a big deal to write down in my words and what it means to me. I think it's important for you to, you know, write a letter to yourself about what these things mean and, and what it can bring to your life. It really is important when you set a goal to mark the steps. Uh, what are the steps that I, and, and so it doesn't float out there in a vague way. You have to know the three or four steps that you have. Break it down, make it simple. Uh, has been really helpful for me. And then we arrive now at a breakthrough goal. You know, that is where your heart lives, where your um, life soars uh, where your love lives. Uh, a breakthrough goal is about leaning into greatness. And with that, I'd like to introduce you to Melissa Nicely. Isn't that a great name? <laughs> Especially when you find out what it is that she does. Uh, Melissa has been with Animal Care and Control for 13 years next month. That's that's quite something. Her first career was in broadcasting and journalism, and we just discovered that she and Patrick know each other from <laughs> ESPN, which is, you know, small, small world. Um, but I, I really want to hear from her most of all. And I'll start by just saying that 2020, you know, we heard so many tough numbers in 2020 that, uh, and we're still hearing them. They, you know, days come and go, you want to just weep. But there are some numbers that came from 2020 that are joyful. And Melissa, I wonder if you'd tell us about why 2020 was so successful for CMPD Animal Care and Control. 
Well, first, thank you everyone for having me. It's an honor to be a guest today. And um, just, you know, it's hard to put into words um, just how amazing this is. Um, and it really, you know, I just kind of started at the beginning of last year uh, before COVID really hit, we were looking at our numbers and we have uh, meetings every year, strategic planning. Uh, we look at numbers every day. It's so important for what we do um, for the community as well, because, you know, really everything that we have here at the shelter is a representation of what's coming in from our community. So uh, we were looking at the numbers and then COVID hit and we were just like, oh, you know, like the little boy from the, the movie, oh, you know, like, what are we going to do? What kind of impact is this going to have? Because we were doing really well and, um, and, and, and just, you know, Lou, I'm going to jump back just a minute and share some stats because I think it's pretty interesting for you guys who may not know where we started. And I'm just going to jump back um, to 2011. Um, that's, a, a, that's a good, good percentage point. Um, what we have is called a live release rate. And that is a goal for all shelters across the country is to achieve a 90% or above live release rate. And all that means, you guys, is basically positive outcomes of every animal that's coming into the shelter, leaving in a positive manner. And that can mean adopting to a new family. And I hear we have a lot of adopting uh, families amongst the group. Um, it can also mean leaving with a rescue group or the Humane Society of Charlotte. Uh, we partner with them a lot and a lot of animals go to them. Or it could mean simply just getting an animal back to its home. And that's a big goal uh, that we try to do is to get animals back to their homes. Those all count positively, obviously, to that 90%. Really quickly, the reason it's 90% is that 10% is that leeway of unfortunate um, animals that must be humanely euthanized because either they're too sick for us to do anything and that's the humane thing to do or else it's animals that we've deemed that are just not unfortunately safe to put back out in the public. So that's what that 10%, um, a lot of people ask, why is it not 100%? Um, 90 or above is what you achieve too. So from here we, we go up, but, um, but anyway, 2011, we were 35.1% live release rate. That means almost 65% of the animals were leaving in, in a not so good way. Um, and uh, just to let you guys know, and they're, oh great, thank you for sharing that because that's exactly what I'm referencing. You can see little by little um, it takes a lot of work to get these percentages to come up. And so those are our goals every year. And the way we do that is, is, pro, is programs, um, grant, grant opportunities to create and support new programs. And the big thing I want to get to here is there you see we ended 2019 at, at almost 80%, right? 79.2%. Um, when we set our strategic goal for 2020, we were like 82% is going to be a really good achievable but yet you know challenging goal for us and fast forward to march we were already in the 89 percent um, when COVID hit so again we were like oh what's going to happen you know are we are suddenly people losing jobs are we going to see substantial amount of animals coming in or what can we do and um and it was just it was a blessing is all i can really say is um, the one positive note to come out of all that everyone has been through is people started working from home and they, uh, 
they found out that they had more time. They wanted to foster for us. Um, you know, before they were driving into Uptown with a with a 45 minute commute, you know, back and forth, and they didn't have the time to do that and and have a pet. Now they're working from home and for months they're working from home, still working from home. Also, uh, people just wanted that companionship. Um, a lot of people are in quarantine, especially uh, senior citizens. You know, they're in quarantine, they can't go out, they're getting groceries delivered. They need a companionship that they normally would get when they go out to different clubs and, you know, things that they do where they might volunteer and things like that they could no longer do. So we've seen a lot of adoptions um, really by a multitude of age groups and in different working groups as far as retired folks, all the way down to even students um, that are now, you know, working, living in an apartment perhaps and, and going to school virtually. So uh, just amazing. Our numbers, you guys, just kept getting higher and higher until uh, I believe it was four out of the four out of the 12 months, we were over 90% um, for each month. But then towards the end of the year, you get to that, that thing, are we gonna actually make it? Because you have to remember everything coming in is going to be kind of counting against you until you find what we call a positive outcome for it. So uh, a couple of times this year, we had some big cases that had a lot of animals come in and it's like, oh, we pray that these are animals that, that are healthy enough that we're gonna be able to get them into rescue groups and things like that. And just all year, everything was so positive. And we really, I just have to share with you guys, it was like this for the year to date. It was so close. Um, and I just have to share the moment with you. So we closed on 7 p.m. on um, New Year's Eve. And I don't know if you any of you guys followed it or not, but Kristen Hampton from WBTV was a big part of our big push and she was there. And we closed the doors, we locked the doors and we went into our director, Dr. Josh Fisher, who I have to give a huge shout out. He has been just a breath of fresh air for us and he's been here for six years and, and a lot has happened under his direction and leadership. So we all gathered in his office. It was about, I don't know, maybe six of us in there huddled while he was putting in the final numbers to the um, algorithm that, that calculates this 90%. And he was quiet, like we're, I'm sitting across the desk room and he was quiet. And I was like, oh no, what does that mean? You know, and, um, and he looked over at me just, and I have a video of this. He looked over at me just as calmly as he could. And he says, we did it. Oh. And we just all were like, oh, and, and we started cheering and we started crying. And, um, and I'm still kind of emotional about it because it's years of work. It's years of working with people in the community like Susie, who always attends our fundraisers and you know, everybody a little bit helps for a municipal shelter. So um, we work really hard to, um, to really make, you know, make these things happen. We really rely on the public and the community and, and everybody has done their part. Um, this is not, and I keep saying this, but it's so true. It is not an animal care and control celebration. It's a community celebration. It just goes to show how many people it takes to really show what animals mean to our our community and the city of charlotte should be so proud everybody who has donated or volunteered or works for a business who's supported us or anything you know that is so many i can't even begin to list how many people but anybody that's done it should be so proud of our city because it just means that we are putting animals 
on a on a high pedestal here in Charlotte, North Carolina, for a municipal shelter to reach ninety percent. Um, uh, somebody just said that their lap is full of their, of their rescue dog. But again, everybody, and, and the thing that I like to point out, it is not if you've adopted an animal from, from us because we work with so many rescues. Um, Susie, I know, adopted uh, Murphy from Humane Society of Charlotte. They are a huge partner in, in this achievement. And um, so I'm just so happy to be here to share it with you guys. And I think that this was the perfect place for me to be because it was about a big goal that was sent many years ago. And that I used that analogy, I think Lou, that you, you referenced to me before the meeting started of a big iceberg, you guys, this was like a huge iceberg that little by little every year we'd chip off, right? Just a little bit more and a new program would come along or a new partner, like one of the, one of the spay neuter clinics would open and that would help chip off a little more. And like day to day, you sure don't feel it, right? Cause it just still feels like this big iceberg or climbing, climbing Mount Everest. And, and then, but you, you kind of zoom out and you look at it over the years, like with that timeline and you see the progression and it just makes your heart feel so good to know that everybody's work um, has gotten us here. So um, Melissa, as we, um, you know, head into this final little bit of the the program. I want everybody who's ever adopted, uh, whether they're living or you have in the past, uh, a pet from, from any shelter or humane society to put their name in the chat, just uh, while we continue to talk to Melissa. Uh, one thing, Melissa, that I um, was uh, touched by was that there were several there was a, a large spike in fostering, wasn't there? And did did those people wind up keeping those animals? <laughs> Don't give away our secret, Lou. <laughs> so basically, yes, to answer your question, um, we started a program called Staycation um, two years ago. It'll be two years old in January 24th. And it was one of the best programs that we ever did. It basically was meant initially to give dogs a rest from the shelter because the stressful the shelter is a stressful place, um, and so that's what it started out is to take them for five days to your house, you know, maybe over the weekend, and give them a break, and that gives us a lot of feedback about what they are like outside of the shelter and in a real world environment. So that feedback for us gives us so much information about that dog, and um, this way you can market it. It was great. It had a built-in marketing program because people would we'd ask them to put post on their a private social media that this dog's for adoption, tell about it, show it in pictures. Um, wonderful. So what we found with the program, Lou, is, and a lot of people came to staycation once uh, we, we were in the pandemic, um, we found that um, uh, on average between 50 and 70% of the animals that go on staycation stay on a forever staycation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that is so, so wonderful. And um Tell us a, a bit about just the, the mental health uh, benefits that folks enjoy from having a pet. I, you know, I think that that was a big thing with COVID is it's super scary. I, I know I personally um, have asthma and um, I, I have it pretty bad at times. And so it's been a real, you know, eye opener for me, you know, having that um, to worry about with COVID and being one of the, I think, what do they call the, 
um, high risk category. And so you're stressing about it. And I know a lot of people who are staying home are staying home because they're stressing about it. And um, they may be in that high risk category. And just having an animal, like I truly don't know what I couldn't live without an animal. I don't know about you guys personally, but I think the house would be so sad and my life would be so sad. And, and I think that's true for so many people and the animals do provide unconditional love. I mean, I know that sounds cliche, but it's true. All of you guys who have pets, you know, know. And I know people that have snakes and, and reptiles and all kinds of things, and they love them just as much as we love our furry critters. And I just think that it provides so much for um, the time period that we're in right now, where we're, we're trying to stay in and we don't have the connection. I just want to hug people. Don't you guys want to hug people? Yeah. Like, especially people that came to the press conference that came out of the woodwork to congratulate us that we hadn't seen. And it just feels so sad. But the good thing is we can hug our pets at home. Yeah. So I think that that helps make up for the times that we don't get to really see our friends the way we're used to seeing them and our loved ones. You know, we have a, uh, a list, I think, Patrick, of what, what you can do to help out. And I'm going to ask Susie Adams, too, whether or not there's anything we've not covered that uh, Melissa should speak to or um, that uh, the folks on, on the call should know. You know, yeah. but obviously, <clears throat> you know, adopting is important. But Melissa, talk to us a little bit about the rest of this. Well, adopting is obviously the number one thing. We want to see these animals into awesome forever homes. Um, but there's all kinds of other ways that if you have at your limit, uh, most of the people that are at their limit, I'm raising my hand, we're at our limit right now. But there's other ways that you can do um, supporting as well. Uh, we have a big program that we uh, started. We're a, a tier one shelter with that support, uh, human uh, support Human Animal Support Services, HOSS is what it's called, the acronym. And that is a national movement that we're part of now. And it's amazing. It's really come together because of COVID. Um, all the, basically the managers around the bigger shelters across the company or across the country um, have gotten together and they started doing Zoom meetings to find out and share ideas about how you're continuing to operate and things like that. And what it's rolled into is a huge, and, and I encourage you to take a look at their website um, I think it's humananimalsupportservices.com or .org. I can't remember. I think it's a .com. And, um, and look at all they're doing. So basically the new movement is to really keep pets in, in their homes. And so a lot of things are needed to do that with people experiencing job loss. Um, a lot of times they, they have like a 75 pound dog, uh, the vet bills and the food for the 75 pound dog. Sometimes all they need is help with food you know, and they can keep that animal at home. We don't want those animals to come into the shelter. We want them to stay with their families. Um, so a lot of community outreach is involved with this program. We have 10 officers assigned to work almost kind of like what social services would do with cases that need help. Um, we help them medically. Uh, we now have our mobile license. So we're able to go out and, um, and give the vaccines we used to could just do rabies. Now we can do all the other vaccines, um, perform uh, small surgeries if needed and things like that. And that's gonna really continue to grow with us this next year. Um, so be looking for new uh, information about that as it comes out. Um, and then also uh, donations, of course, um, 
we, all of our programs, we have second chance medical, which helps us treat uh, heartworm animals, the animals that come into the shelter that have heartworms. Uh, we put them in foster care with, a, with the potential owner. And then we do the heartworm treatment so that that burden does not fall onto the adopter. Um, so donations for that program, our spay neuter program, which obviously is a huge part of, of making um, this 90% achievable. And basically supplies, if you like shopping, um, you can go on our Amazon wish list and see the items that we've picked out that work best for animals and shelters, like Kongs are a huge thing that we use here. They get Kongs every day, um, stuffed with peanut butter or kibble with wet food and stuff like that. So it, even if you're a person who likes to give, you know, something tangible, those are great things to give as well. So lots of options listed on our website at um, animals.cmpd.org. Um, and you just go to donations and that will show you. Uh, in the easy Amazon wish list, you just click and it comes right to us. Melissa, did you see the note from B asking you to touch on the program that? Oh, yes. Oh, you did? I didn't see it. No, but I'm seeing it right now. Um, yes, we have a couple programs that we really don't advertise. Um, one is called our Safe Haven program. And that is one that we work with different agencies across the city for victims of domestic violence. A lot of times animals will be used as a threat to keep somebody from leaving the home to get help. Um, and they'll be like, if you leave, I'm gonna kill the animal. And it forces a person to stay in that situation. And a lot of the shelters aren't, aren't pet friendly, but we are. So what we do is we work with them to get their pet here anonymously at the shelter. Um, it's, the, it's not in the public areas. You can't see it online. They have to have a password to get information about their pet. And we can help them um, until they get into a place. Uh, we check in with them. They have to check in weekly and that sort of thing and give us updates. Um, we also do that with um, emergency services. So if someone experiences loss of a home to, due to a fire, we can board their animals. It's called disaster boarding. We can board their animals for free for um, a number of weeks and, and the Red Cross helps us with that because they're usually putting them up in a home by the Red Cross. So we work with a lot of agencies in the city that, that it's not really truly publicized because it's, it's kind of an internal uh, stuff that we have that's available for people in need. Well, you know, our time is, is up, but I just, you know, Melissa and I were talking yesterday about the old idea of a kill shelter and how that just pains us to say it and um, what an image is of a shelter that has been this incredible evolution into what she just described. Um, it's so powerful. We just celebrate you, Melissa. It, it says the way we treat our animals says a lot about our humanity. Mm -hmm. So we are so grateful for you. I think to it, it points to the fact that uh, a group of people committed to a goal over a period of time can, as we know, uh, move, move the world. Uh, I hope that you will go online and search out various ways to help that uh, she just uh, went over. And uh, we did want to say, of course, a, a shout out to Dr. Josh Fisher, who heads up the animal care and control and certainly has been an amazing leader. But thank you for coming. We will be back with you on the 28th. Look for some 
notices about the program coming toward you in the next little bit. And uh, we just love that you, you were here today. Thank Have you. Have a great day. Yes, thank you, Melissa.